This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Tobacco Road Sports Radio is so excited to be your home for triad sports. heard you loud and clear our mission is to give you what you want you know what i want i've been asking for it for years give it to me give me what i want the best sports talk and live sports in the triad period what's up everybody live Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Score once again with Brett Wiseman. Hello and welcome back to the Pit Stop here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Welcome back to Franchise Players, your home for Triad Sports coverage. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. And if you think that's great, wait until you see what's next. It's going to be good. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. Tune in at TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. And don't forget to download the new Roku channel, Tobacco Road Sports Radio. 13 Daggers Tattoo Studio is looking for a new tattoo artist. Must be established with a strong portfolio and good work ethic. Stop by today at 13 Daggers across from Patriot Park on Fort Campbell Boulevard. Clarksville's ultimate tattoo studio. Tattoos, touch-ups, and consultations. See the artist's work online at 13DaggersTattoo.com and get the custom experience you want with Killer Ink. Book today and get pricked by a pro. 13 Daggers Tattoo Studio. Looking hard on the boulevard. The Hometown Foundation is excited to bring back the Dream Ride Experience, August 26th to the 28th at Connecticut's Farmington Polo Club. Join us in celebrating the accomplishments of our Dream Riders while enjoying live music, a car and motorcycle show, family fun zone, pet adoptions, canine demonstrations, the Fireman's Chili Cook-Off, and much, much more. Get your tickets today. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Frankly Speaking Sports. I'm your host, Larry Frank, and it is a beautiful Monday night here in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, right outside the Fort Campbell Army Base. We want to thank all the present and the past individuals that have serviced this great country and our armed forces and continue to do so and to protect us on a daily basis so we can have our freedom. Thank you so very, very much. We have a busy, and I mean a busy Monday night in the world of sports for you tonight. It's gonna be hockey night on Frankly Speaking Sports. We are gonna talk National Predators and what the heck is Smashville? I didn't see it. We're also going to update you tonight on the other game NHL playoffs and the ones that were played last night, as well as having joining us live in our Frankly Speaking Sports third studio will be Lightning Insider, Eric Erlinson, who has been covering the Tampa Bay Lightning for the past 22 years, and the Lightning tied up the Maple Leafs 2-2 in that series but we're gonna kick it off folks talking about the nashville predators tonight and for those of you folks that uh you know follow the nashville predators i'm gonna tell you yesterday it's uh, i'm sorry saturday about 11 o'clock in the morning game starts about 3 30. i said you know what i'm going to go to my first nashville predators game since i've been in nashville area So what do I do? I go online, I buy tickets, I get a decent deal, and all I'm talking about and telling my wife who went with me the whole time is, wow, you got to see this Smashville and the Bridgestone Arena and how loud the fans are and how loud I heard they get. It's supposed to be an amazing, amazing scene. On top of it, it's playoff hockey. So I'm all pumped up. I'm I'm excited. Predators shirt. I get a Predators hat. My wife gets a Predators shirt. 
we get ready and we go to the game. But I'm going to tell you something here, folks. I was completely disappointed with the crowd and the way they reacted to a playoff team. And let, let me explain what I'm talking about, folks. You know, first of all, you go there, you're expecting this place. You know, the first thing I said to myself, is this Smashville? This is Smashville? What the heck is going on here? We sit in our seats after getting a couple of dogs and a couple of beers. We sit down, about time to drop the puck, the face-off, to start the game, and half the fans aren't even in their seats. It's playoff hockey, and fans aren't in their seat to drop the puck. What the heck is going on? How ludicrous, crazy, disrespectful, and just unsympathetic to these players that you cheer for on a game-to-game -game basis. You can't even get your butts in the seat on time for a game. I'm looking down there. Me and my wife were looking at each other, and we're like, what the heck is going on here? Where are all the fans? Where are all these Predator fans that we hear so much about and how loud it gets? All of a sudden, the game starts, and yes, the Avalanche take a 2-0 lead. They take a 2-0 lead, okay? And we'll talk about that in a couple of moments about the game itself. But the fans are as quiet as quiet can be. I've been to Tropicana Field where the Rays played, where they have had eight to 10,000 people at Tropicana Field, and they were considerably louder than these fans were at Bridgestone Arena during a playoff game. A playoff game. Finally, they come back. They come back in this game. They make it two to two. And the crowd, sure, for the moment, they went a little nutso, but nothing. My goodness gracious, it was nothing like playoff hockey atmosphere. What is going on? These fans who think they're so great in Nashville. I'm sorry to the fans that are great because there are a lot of great Predator fans. But my goodness gracious, was this a terrible, terrible showing for the Nashville area, the Nashville teams, and Bridgestone Arena on Saturday. These fans didn't even get loud enough to scare an animal. These fans were quiet, dead, whatever word you want to use, they did not. Yes, playoff hockey. I'm going to tell you right now, folks, is the best playoffs of all the sports. Don't get me wrong. I love the World Series. Nothing like NHL playoffs. NBA playoffs. Nothing like NHL playoffs. Don't get me wrong. We had a great NFL season, some great playoffs, great games. Nothing like NHL hockey atmosphere. Unless you go to Nashville. Because I'll tell you what, this was a complete disgrace. There's so much lack of a playoff atmosphere, okay? People leaving early. I mean, not even staying for the entire game. People not even rooting for their team. It would be a surprise. Yes, of course they're playing the Colorado Avalanche, the best team in the Western Division. But my goodness, what happened to the fans? You know, I'm sorry, but it was a disgrace. I was embarrassed for the Nashville Predators. And I'll tell you what, please don't think I'm knocking the Nashville Predators because they did a great job. A great job getting ready for this playoff. Then um, everybody, the PR department, the... Um, Event coordinators put on an incredible show as far as they're concerned. But the fans let this team down. The fans of Nashville led, left this team down. Right down the road the next day, the Nashville SC was playing with a crowd of 30,000 that was cheering, yelling, and screaming. Where was that during this playoff game?
It wasn't there. You should be ashamed of yourself, Nashville Predators fans, for allowing this to happen and not being the seventh man that you are supposed to be. I'm sorry. It was terrible. A disgrace. Disgusting. And whatever other word you want to say. I could not believe it. I could not believe here I am rooting for a guy, a guy that lived in Tampa for 30 years, rooting for the Predators harder than people that have been in Nashville for a while. Incredible, unbelievable. I just could not believe it. And as far as the game goes, Colorado did go on to win. I believe it was 7-3. Colorado 4-5 on the power play. You know, and this is the problem. Here is a team that all year long created penalties and continued in this series to, to excuse me, not create penalties, to get penalties. And these penalties have cost them in so, so many games, and nothing was different yesterday. And people say, well, Larry, is that the coach's fault? Yes, it's the coach's fault. If it continues to happen through 80-something games, then continues into the playoffs, that's the coach's fault. That is the coach's fault. There's no discipline. Lack of discipline on this team goes back to the coach. Sure, if a guy misses a shot, fans on a shot, a goaltender lets one go by him, that is not the coach's fault. That is a physical error by a player. But when you continue to allow penalty after penalty after penalty after penalty, then it becomes the coach's fault for not having consequences when these situations arise. It is the coach's fault when these situations happen. They took stupid penalties, whether it was roughing, whether it was crushing, whether it was tripping, whether it was slashing, whatever it was. They were dumb penalties. Now, you know, a lot of people are asking questions about the challenge by John Hines with the uh, goalie interference. And, you know, in that one, it's hard. It's hard to say what's right and wrong. Personally, I thought that was goalie interference. But either way you look at it, if he's right, the game goes back to 2 nothing. If it's wrong, it goes from being 3 nothing to a power play. In this case, that's what happened. And then they end up scoring and making it four to, I'm sorry, four to two. Okay, it was two to two, three to two, then four to two. Now, you can look at it either way, folks. But did what he thought was right. Now, some people say, but Larry, they were so good on the power play, Colorado. Why would you want to give them that opportunity? That is one way to look at it. But on the other side, if he's right, the game is tied up at two. And then you don't have, then you're right back in the game. So it's a tough one, folks. And it, you know, it's a tough one. But when we come back, we're going to talk about what should the Nashville Predators do next with John Hines. We'll be back right after this message. Did you know that tattooing dates back to the Stone Age? Did you know that tattoos were once a symbol of high society? Did you know that Theodore Roosevelt had a tattoo? Did you know that 13 Daggers has been serving the area for nearly a decade? Whether you want bright, vibrant colors or death filled from black and gray, let 13 Daggers create a custom piece of art just for you. Schedule your appointment and come get pricked by the pros. 13 Daggers Tattoo Studio, across from Patriot Park on Fort Campbell Boulevard. Walk-ins, always welcome. 13 Daggers Tattoo Studio. Looking hard on Boulevard. Father Tom is undefeated. It's going to hit Tom Brady eventually, too. It might be this year. Hopefully it's this year. And Matt LaFleur went to both of them and said, hey, remember that play you drew up on notebook paper on Thursday? Yeah, run it now. Like, that's the thing that's kind of tripping me up here. We've been clowning Kyrie Irvin and his behavior for the past five years. I feel like I just got a point, like on a show or something. <laughs> Three, two, one. Kersville, you've got state champions coming back home. The East Versailles Eagles have just won 
Class 4A State Championship. On the line with NASCAR superstar Bubba Wallace. Bubba, what type of music are you listening to right now? Do you listen to anything in particular to get you hyped before a race? Uh, I'm in like the heavy metal stuff, like the screamo stuff, the stuff you can't understand. <laughs> that's, that's right up my alley. High game at 41. Murph takes the snap. Fade right corner of the end over Timmons. He oh bobbled it God. and then honed it in in the right corner of the end zone. Terrell Timmons Jr. TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home. The Hometown Foundation is excited to bring back the Dream Ride Experience. August 26th to the 28th at Connecticut's Farmington Polo Club. Join us in celebrating the accomplishments of our Dream Riders. While enjoying live music, a car and motorcycle show, family fun zone, pet adoptions, canine demonstrations, the fireman's chili cook-off, and much, much more. Get your tickets today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Frankly Speaking Sports. And we still have a great, great, great show left for you. We're about 15 minutes away from having Tampa Bay Lightning Insider. Uh, Eric Erlinson, who's covered the team for 22 years now, will be joining us live. Well, we are talking National Predators hockey. They're just about ready, probably about 20 minutes from now, or even a little longer than that, getting started at the Bridgestone Arena, we talked about the lack of fan support uh, before the timeout we just took. And now the question comes up, folks. What do they do after this series with head coach? Um, I'm sorry, folks. With head coach John Haynes. I'm, excuse me, John Hines. You know, you got to wonder, folks. And, you know, I don't understand this. I look back, and I wasn't here when John Hines was hired. But I look back and what the heck was Polly thinking when he hired this guy? What is he thinking? They went ahead, they hired a guy who had a losing record, <coughs> excuse me, with the New Jersey Devils. <coughs> excuse me, with the New Jersey Devils. He's 150 wins, 159 losses, 45 ties, and they, they release him from the Devils. Because he starts off 9-13, and 13, I believe it was. 9-13 and 13 during the year. They let him go. And what do the Predators do? They take somebody else's failure, someone else's disappointment, and they give him a head coaching job. Okay? Now, say what you want, folks. Did he do a great job? What has he done? You know, we're better than we are. Cut the crap. Okay? You're not good yet. He didn't make you great. He didn't make you good. He made you better than bad. Okay? So you're not bad, bad anymore. You're just somewhat bad. Do you feel better? Come on. Get over it. Okay? This guy has no control over this hockey team, no matter what anyone says. When you when we talked about earlier in the show, penalty after penalty after penalty doesn't stop throughout the year. That means... There is discipline, no consequences. The coach is not taking control of this team. And do you think somebody like Forsberg is going to come back to a team that does that he doesn't believe is going to win? Heck no, he's not. Come on. Okay. There is a decision that's got to be made at the end of this season. And my honest opinion is they need to replace this guy. This guy can do no more than he's done, okay? Has the team improved over a year or two? Who cares? It's still not good enough yet, okay? They need to bring somebody in. My recommendation, if you haven't heard yet, Barry Trotz got terminated from the New York Islanders in a very surprising move by the Islanders today. He would be available. And let's not forget John Tortorella. John Tortorella, that's right, is not coaching right now. He's an analyst. He's done coaching the Blue Jackets. He's had some successful tenures, whether it was with the Rangers, the Blue Jackets. He won a Stanley Cup with the Tampa Bay Lightning. How about somebody in here that knows how to win? 
It is time for a change in Nashville, and somebody in that front office like Poli has to get enough shenanigans to go ahead and make the move and do what's best for this team. What's best for this hockey team? Now, I don't want to count them out, folks. I'm not going to say they're going to lose tonight. I am rooting for them as hard as I would root in any game. But at the end of the day, there is a problem with either A, the coaching style, or B, the coaching accountability, or C, both. And at the end of the day, a move has to be made. Okay? So that's my talk on. We'd love to get your comments, your thoughts. Please go ahead and uh, leave some comments here. I'm seeing where we have this. I uh, had a, there we go. If you have a question or comment you want us to read or put on the air, go ahead under the comment section. We will be more than happy to do so. If you are on any of our Facebook platforms, our Northeast Streaming Sports Facebook page, if you are on any of our Facebook pages, frankly speaking, what's on Northeast Streaming Sports, you're on Twitter, go ahead and leave a comment. As long as it's during our live um, version of the show, we will go ahead and put it on. But even if it isn't, leave a comment. We will still try to respond back to you, even if you are doing it on the recording. So please, please, please get involved. Interact. We want you to be involved. Meanwhile, the NHL playoffs kept on going. And yesterday, lots and lots and lots of excitement um, in those games. All right, let's put that up there. Make sure we got a, doing some new things on the show tonight. Hopefully you like it. But it all started out like yesterday. Uh, it was the Bruins 5. They tied up the series versus the Carolina Hurricanes. They won 5-2. to two. Brad Marchand, two goals, three assists, had five points in the game. Meanwhile, Patrice Bergeron, 36 years old, and he's still doing it. One goal and two assists for the Bruins. Like I said, that series is tied up at two. Bruins defense. Killed five Hurricane power plays. That's right. The Hurricanes 0 for 5 on the power plays. And the Bruins blocked 15 shots in that great game. Unbelievable defense by the Boston Bruins. What wins championships? Defense. And that's what the Bruins had to tie up that series. Meanwhile, St. Louis Blues did not have the Blues yesterday. They went on to feet. The Wilds, who were not so wild as the Blues defeated them 5-2, tied up that series at two. Jordan Bington, 20 saves in net for the Blues. David Perron, two goals and an assist. And Jordan, looks like Kangu, had two goals as well in the game for the Blues. Blues tie up the series 2-2. It was a close game until about... 18 minutes left. Ron scored an empty netter. And then about 58 seconds later, Ryan O'Reilly hit on a power play goal. And they went on to win 5-2. But it was a 3-2 game, like I said, till about two minutes left in that game. Meanwhile, in about five minutes, we're going to have Eric Erlinson, Tampa Bay Lightning, inside of his own us. What did the Lightning do yesterday? They came out and they took this game from the beginning. Steven Stamkos went ahead at the one-minute mark and scored his first goal of the playoffs, gave him the one-nothing lead. The Lightning went on to score three goals in a matter of the first eight minutes of the game to take a commanding three-to-nothing lead over the Toronto Maple Leafs. Victor Hedman, the man everything. The guy's incredible defenseman for the Tampa Bay Lightning had two assists. Ross Colts, Colton, the youngster, why he belongs in the NHL, had two goals as well. Meanwhile, the Lightning won this game, like I said, to tie up the series 2-2, two to two, despite 
going only one for eight on the power play. And in the final game yesterday night, it was the LA Kings defeating the Edmonton Oilers four to nothing. Can you figure out what happened? They tied up the series. That's right. At two games apiece. Jonathan Quick, 31 saves. Kings had 46 shots on goal, two goals by Carl Grundstrom. So once again, the Kings tied up the Oilers at two. All the series that were played yesterday tied up at two games apiece. Let's go ahead and see if we can give you a quick rundown of some of the games this evening. See if I can update my computer real quick here. Try to give you guys and ladies some scores. It is, oh, baby, 5.43 left in the third period. The Penguins, they scored a touchdown on the New York Rangers. They're leading 7-2. For Pittsburgh, it looks like, let's see what we got here for them. Seven different people scored in this game. Sidney Crosby has a goal and two assists in this game. As like I said, seven different players have scored for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They leave 7-2 with about 5.43 left in the third period. Meanwhile, in Washington, D.C., the Capitals are leading the Panthers, the Florida Panthers. They had the best record, President Trophy. Oh, no, it's a jinx. I, we've told you that. They're losing 2-1 to one of the uh, the Panthers are losing 2-1 to one to the Capitals right now with 6.47 left in period. For Washington, a goal by Kuznetsov and also by Oshie has given them the lead. The Capitals are up 2-1 to one in this series. Meanwhile, it's moments away. They'll be dropping the puck in Nashville. The Avalanche up three games to none over the Predators. And then later on as well, it'll be the Stars who have an amazing 2-1 to lead on the Flames. They'll be playing at 8.30 p.m. Let's go ahead, folks. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll have Lightning Insider, Eric Carlinson. We'll be back right after this. The Hometown Foundation is excited to bring back the Dream Ride Experience, August 26th to the 28th at Connecticut's Farmington Polo Club. Join us in celebrating the accomplishments of our Dream Riders while enjoying live music, a car and motorcycle show, family fun zone, pet adoptions, canine demonstrations, the Fireman's Chili Cook-Off, and much, much more. Get your tickets today. Here at Tobacco Road Sports Radio, we ask the tough questions. Hey, you got any left-handed footballs? We're never afraid to tell you how we feel. Come on, we look like the damn bad news bears. We'll debate sports. We'll debate anything. Man, you lying. You ain't never met Martin Luther King. Not the winner, but yes, he did. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. No, he did not. No matter what, Tobacco Road Sports Radio has you covered. I'm going to come right back at it. Soldier. You're listening to Tobacco Road Sports Radio. 13 Daggers Tattoo Studio is looking for a new tattoo artist. Must be established with a strong portfolio and good work ethic. Stop by today at 13 Daggers across from Patriot Park on Fort Campbell Boulevard. Clarksville's ultimate tattoo studio. Tattoos, touch-ups, and consultations. See the artist's work online at 13daggerstattoo.com and get the custom experience you want with Killer Ink. Book today and get pricked by a pro. 13 Daggers Tattoo Studio. Working hard on the boulevard. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Frankly Speaking Sports. And, you know, we talked right before we went on break a little bit about the Tampa Bay Lightning and then winning yesterday to tie up the series at uh, two games apiece. Uh, as I'm just moving a couple things around here to bring up, so I do apologize there. Um, and we have the honor privilege today to have with us 
a man who's been covering the Tampa Bay Lightning for 22 years. Let's welcome in Lightning Insider, Eric Erlinson. Eric, how you doing tonight, buddy? I'm good, Larry. How are you, bud? Buddy, I'm doing great. Thanks so much again for joining us on Frankly Speaking Sports. I really do appreciate it. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks for uh, having me back on again. Eric, let me ask you this. Um, yesterday, I turned on the game. And from the start, I had to turn to True TV here, where I'm now in Nashville. Then I switch over to TBS. And before you know it, one minute in the game, Stam Close scores. Eight minutes later, it's three to nothing. And it stays that way to the end of the first period. Talk about the lightning yesterday. And they really looked like they were ready to do some damage yesterday. You know, they talked about... Look, momentum from game to game in any playoff series, there's not usually a lot of carryover, but they did feel coming out of the third period in particular in game three where they were pushing and they had the puck in the Toronto zone a lot and some of that score effects and whatever numbers you want to look at there. But they just felt that they saw something in how they were able to gain the zone time that they had and create the chances they had. I mean, look, Jack Campbell stole that period for them. That, that Jack Campbell kept that game where it was. Uh, to allow Toronto to win that game. They built the lead and were able to hang on to it. But because of how the Lightning were able to, I, I don't know, if you want to call it scouting, if you want to call it uh, trying something and seeing if it works, they found a formula that worked. And you saw it from the first shift in game four. Ross Colton delivers two hits below the low, goal line. One of them disrupts the puck from Mark Giordano. That's the blueprint. That's what they want to do. They did it from the opening shift, and they didn't let up maybe until the third period, but they didn't let up for two periods. They kept up that pressure. The best way to keep top goal scorers from scoring goals is to make them play defense. And that's kind of what the philosophy is here. You're not going to completely take away opportunities and looks and chances from guys like Matthews and Marner and those guys, but to limit the damage, make them work on their own end, hit them, be physical against them, just play hard. And I think that's the biggest thing. Um, in game four was they just went out, went to work. They just went to work and they feel this, the phrase John Cooper has used time and time and time again, especially over the last two years, this process over outcome. If you put in the right work and you do the process and stick to the game plan, you're, you're more than likely going to get rewarded. And at the end of the day, I think that was the biggest thing from game four. You know, it's amazing. I remember two years ago sitting in Tampa Bay and people are questioning whether John Cooper should be let go or not let go when Columbus Blue Jackets, you remember, defeated them four games to nothing. Oh, yeah. Stunner, which the president trophy, we know the jigs. Florida Panthers have seen it this year. Now two years in a row, defending champion. What do they got to say about John Cooper now? Uh, yeah. You know, first of all, let's start with Julian Breezeball. You have to get, give a ton of credit to Julian Breezeball because the easy thing to do after 2019 would to say, this isn't working. That was their, you know, the, they'd been to three conference finals. Uh, they'd been to a Stanley cup final. They had set an NHL record or tied an NHL record for wins. It was one of the greatest regular seasons in NHL history. Certainly the best one of the cap era. And he didn't win a playoff game. The easy thing to do would have been to blow it up. Not working, need a need a different a voice behind the bench. Maybe this core isn't working. We need to make some moves. The cap's going to get us eventually anyway, so let's start that process now. They didn't do that. They sat back and they looked at it from an analytical standpoint and said, what do we need to do to be better? We feel we have a really good team. We feel that we have a good core of players. We have the right character in that room. We have the right skill level. We have all the elements that we feel we have to have to be a Stanley Cup champion. What do we need to do to be better? And they stuck with John Cooper. And John Cooper is a tremendous, who? what's the word to say here, uh, manager of people. You know, it's that's that in today's game, I think that's just as important as X's and O's. How do you treat your players? You know, you don't see Mike Keenan running around NHL locker rooms anymore, right? You don't see, um, you know, the, the coaches who rule by by fear, right? They they rule by fear. It's my way or the highway. I'm taking all your ice time away. You don't see that anymore. You see more of a John Cooper style where you you 
just know how to push the right buttons. You know how to get the most out of your players. You know how to build a relationship with your players. It's such an underrated thing in today's game. How do you treat your players? Um, and, and that's what he does so well. Uh, the X's and O's, he's good at it. It's not his strength. He has said that many times in the past. He has certainly gotten much better at it through the years. I mean, you have to know the game to be where he's at for sure in his career. Uh, but he he's just a tremendous uh, manager of people. And I remember, you know, when some of those guys from that Norfolk team started to make their way up to the NHL, the Tyler Johnsons and Andre Palats, they talked about the relationship they have with their head coach. And it wasn't something that, you know, I had been used to hearing. And by that time, I'd been covering the Lightning for over a decade. And you just weren't used to hearing players talk about their head coach that way. But that's just the way he is and how he manages his players. You have to do it a little bit different at the NHL level. But he continues to maintain those relationships. And it's been rocky. He's not had the great relationship with Steven Stamkos through his tenure here. But they found a way to kind of find some common ground. Um, and lo and behold, they're both Stanley Cup champions now, right? So um, he's just done a tremendous job. But I think it all starts with that offseason in 2019, not just completely pulling the plug and starting over, taking a more analytical approach to a what do we need to be better. And they found ways and they just became a harder team to play against. You know, you mentioned Ross Colton earlier uh, a couple of minutes ago. And, you know, through your process of being the lightning insider for the last 22 years, you get to watch a lot of players come up and mature. Talk about Ross Colton the last couple of years how he's matured and now he's becoming what he's leading the team I think in the playoffs right now with goal scored talk about how special this young man has become for the Lightning well he's one of those guys where the first time you saw him in camp like we didn't know a ton about him obviously he was drafted he went to college University of Vermont he comes out of the USHL uh, you know you, you kind of lose track of, of prospects sometimes because uh, he wasn't on a great team. He wasn't putting up great numbers, good numbers for the NCAA, but not great numbers. Uh, but you could see as soon as he signed his contract coming out of school and he showed up to his first training camp, you looked at him and go, I think this kid's got a chance. He just he fits in right away. He's got the he's got the right speed. Uh, he has an understanding of the game already at this point in his career. I think we're going to see him here shortly. And he came up last year in the what uh, in February scores a goal on his second ever NHL shift. Yep. And you thought to yourself, okay, okay. You know, the, the way the lightning usually do it, they give players like that a cup of coffee. They send them back down, tell them to work on some things and then come back up. Ross Colton never went down because he had become such an integral part of the Syracuse team. He really honed his craft down there for a couple of years at that level, which is exactly what that level is supposed to be for. And you could just see the maturation and the process and the understanding. And when it got to the playoffs, we wondered if he was going to be a guy who stayed in the lineup when the playoffs began. And lo and behold, there he was, game one, game two, game three. And, and now Barclay Goodrow missed the first couple of games of that series against the Panthers last year. But even when Goodrow came back, it was Colton who stayed in and Matthew Joseph who came out of the lineup. And Joseph had been a regular all season long. So that gets kind of showed you the maturation process. And even this year, his first full year in the NHL, I think we need to make sure that we keep sight of that because, you know, he played a, a shortened season as it was last year, uh, only played 35, 40 games out of the, uh, the 56 that were played um, became a big part during the postseason. but this was his first full season, in the NHL, the first year of an 82 game grind. Uh, and he just continued to get better and better and better as the season went along. And now you look at him, they trust him in every situation. He's, yep. He earned the number two power play opportunity uh, about halfway through the year. You started to see him take, uh, take shop over there at the Nikita Kucherov spot on the second power play. He's not afraid to shoot the puck. He's got a very underrated shot, uh, especially on the power play with that one-timer. And um, he's just come so far in just a couple of years uh, but he's another guy that you just wonder with the cap issues that this team is eventually going to have. <laughs> he's got one more year left on his deal before he's a restricted free agent again, but he's going to command a lot of money and you start to wonder how many of these guys you're going to be able to keep and how do you, who do you keep? You have to start making decisions on who you keep. And he's going to be certainly in that conversation a couple years down the road. I mean, what can you continue to say about Steven Stamkos during the season? 106 points, 42 goals, 
what, 64 assists um, in 81 games. I uh, was healthy the most, you know, the entire year. How nice was it to, to see him yesterday, one minute into the game, finally get his first goal in the playoffs? Yeah, especially against his hometown team, right? Like he <laughs> he ends up setting the franchise record for points earlier this, uh, well, last month, late in the season, came against Toronto. That, that meant something to me. He had the three assists. Uh, in a loss against Detroit, but he came back the next night and picked up uh, on a, I, you know, I even remember writing that night, sports is never scripted, right? You you never know what you're going to get, but you couldn't have scripted Steven Stamkos becoming the all-time leader in franchise history any better because it's a, a power play goal. Victor Hedman gets a secondary assist. Nikita Kucherov gets the primary assist. It's a one-timer from the left circle, down on the knee, laser shot, power play, just perfection and, and it comes against Toronto on top of that. Um, but he's just had, you know, it's a young man's game and he's not a young man anymore. Even it's hard to say that he's only 32 and we're not calling him a young man anymore, yeah. but it's, it's a game dominated by 24, 25 year olds in the NHL. And he just had, you're not supposed to have your best career year at the age of 32. And that's saying something for him. He's a 60-goal scorer. He's a two-time 50-goal scorer. But he had his best year ever in the NHL at the age of 32. And a lot of it comes from he's healthy. He had an offseason. It was short. Sure, certainly, you know, the, they won the Cup on July 7th, and it's a short summer. And you, before you blink an eye, you got to start getting ready for training camp. But he had a summer to train fully train and not have to rehab from a surgery or an injury or anything like that. Uh, and you're, you just saw the fruits of that labor this year. The only game he missed was a game that he left the team to go be with his wife as they delivered their second child. That was the only game he missed all year. So durability was a big part of it. And he's just, um, you know, a player who John Cooper has learned to trust more and more through the years. He's out there for defensive zone draws. Uh, and the other thing is too, with this season he's had, he's, back in the middle. You know, he'd basically been a, a, a winger going back to the 2014-15 season. He primarily played wing, even though center's his natural position, center he's more comfortable at. But because of injuries this year, Braden Point missed the time. They don't have the depth uh, on center with the loss of Goodrow and Gord and Tyler Johnson and all that. So he got back in the middle, and he just looked like he was a lot more comfortable there, and it showed the production comes from that. Uh, that's maintained here as we start the playoffs with him back in the middle. Uh, so you just kind of put all that together and you've got a 106 point season from a guy who scored 60 goals in this league. Yeah. Unbelievable. You know, the one thing that concerns me that, about the lightning, I love to get your take on this. You know, we always say you have to take advantage of opportunities when they're presented to you, especially in the playoffs. The one thing that they've been lacking on maybe except for game uh, two where they were three of seven on the power play, has been the power play. I mean, game one, 0 for 5 on the power play. Game two, I mentioned three of seven. Game three, one of three. And yesterday, despite blowing out the Maple Leafs, they were only one of eight on the power play. What seems to be the issue, if anything here, with the power play? I don't think it's anything, to be honest with you. Uh, game one was the issue, right? You get a power play two minutes in the game. You don't do anything with it. You get a five-minute major, and you actually end up giving up more scoring chances than you create. That was a huge problem. That gave Toronto all kinds of momentum in that game in their home crowd, and uh, they took advantage of it. It ended up being a big reason why Toronto won that game. But for the most part, you know, you get the three power play goals in game two. Um, you know, in game three, I mean, Steven Stamkos had a – gorgeous chance on the power play to tie the game with about five minutes to go. And Jack Campbell uh, just slides over and just absolutely robs him on a play. So that's when you got to kind of tip your cap to the goalie a little bit and say, he stopped it. Um, you know, and last night they had looks for the most part during those eight power plays, they had looks. The one power play goal did come during a five on three, but also like it's a blowout game, right? Like their right. first four goals were all even strength goals in a game where there was only about 34 minutes of even strength time or five on five time in that game, they scored four goals at five on five plays. So um, after that, it's just, you're just working on things. You're looking to see because there's no aggregate in hockey, right? This isn't soccer. It doesn't carry over from one game to the next, but you are working on things. Uh, and they had some looks for the most part on those other power plays, but it's, again, it's a blowout game. To me, the Lightning want to play the series five on five. 
they don't want to have to be in a special teams battle. They've given up two shorthanded goals in this series. They, in, in a sense, they've given up three because one of the goals in game three was came about eight seconds after a power play expired uh, because of it. Um, so they wanted this a five-on-five. Five. They feel they're a better five-on-five five team than Toronto, and they don't want to fuel Toronto's. They would be much happier if the whistles went away like we told they were supposed to be in the postseason. It's been the exact opposite because yeah. they're calling everything. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Um, the How important, and you mentioned, I, you mentioned staying five-on-five. Five. It's important that, especially on their end of the game, that they have their five players on, on the ice because – Toronto was the number one power play and scoring mm-hmm. team in the league throughout the season. And they are so dangerous. I mean, you've got a five-man power play on Toronto that has Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Willie Nylander, John Tavares, and Morgan Riley. Even, even when, I mean, Toronto's only got two power play goals in the series themselves, which is a credit to the penalty killers because yes. they've been taxed. They've been challenged. Andre Vasilevsky has been really good on the power play. And one of those power play goals was a five on three in game number one. The other one came with two seconds to go on a, a flute play. The, the puck kind of ping ponged around a little bit and came to Morgan Riley. So the penalty killers have done a great job, but you can't keep flirting with it. You can't keep right. – uh, actually, they actually got a, a power play goal last night. I forgot. Nylander scored one, but, it, again, garbage time at that point. Right. But, it, it, for the most part, they have done a really good job of keeping those guys in check, but you can't keep flirting with it because they're getting chances after chances after chances. The puck is staying in the zone with that much talent. They're eventually going to burn you on it. So, yeah, Tampa Bay wants to play this series five-on-five five because they're better at it than Toronto is because they know how to check. They know how to forecheck. They're better at it. They've learned those lessons the hard way. Toronto is still just trying to get out of the first round. They have a lot of history against them. Uh, they're in their own heads sometimes. Uh, you know, I said coming into this the series, one of the main storylines in my mind was Toronto against their own history. Can they get out of their own way sometimes? And look, after blowing the chance last night to go up, you know, three one in the series, now people are talking: Are the least toast? Are they done? Are they? Can they recover from this? And it's going to be a big challenge, I think, for Toronto to, um, you know, find a way to kind of get their game back because I think Tampa Bay is just better at their game than Toronto is at theirs. Now, when you think of Andre Vasilevsky and everything he's accomplished, you know, two Stanley Cups, best goalie in hockey. I mean, is it hard to believe sometimes that he's only twenty-seven <laughs> years old? Yeah, a lot of goalies don't hit their peak till right now, right? And he's already got a couple of Stanley Cups under his belt. He's got a Vezina. Uh, This will actually probably end up being the first time since he became a full-time starter. He won't be a Vezina finalist this year. um, You know, the the five straight shutouts and series clinching games, which, man, to think of some of the goalies in this game uh, through the history, the Brodeurs, the Sawchucks, the Cheevers, the Ken Drydens, they've never done something – that uh, Andre Vasilevsky has done in, in five straight series clinching shutouts. Yeah, it, it is crazy to think that. And, you know, you, you think of guys like Marc-Andre Fleury who are still at the top of their game at the age of 38, 39 years old. Yeah. And if Andre Vasilevsky can keep that up, I mean, he is going to go down as one of the greatest goaltenders to ever play this game. And we are witnessing that right now. I hope Lightning fans understand what it is they're watching, not just with him, with the whole team and and the the core that they have, but with Vasilevsky in particular, he's just, he's just a freak. He's just a freak on the ice with the way that he can stretch from side to side, um, how he can get, uh, you know, cover post to post. There's a reason they call him the big cat because his reflexes are just so dynamic and fast that it's just hard to beat him on so many areas. And, you know, he's been the backbone of this team's success ever since he took over for Ben Bishop. How's, I mean, from the Maple Leaf side of things, Eric, how special is watching these two youngsters, talk about youngsters, Austin Matthews and Mitchell um, Marner. I mean, what? Matthews had 60 goals, 46 assists this year. He's 24 years old. Meanwhile, Marner is 25 years old, had 35 goals and 62 assists. That's an, I mean, that line is just incredible, isn't it? They're so hard to defend. I mean, we saw it here when Toronto was in, in in early April when they beat Tampa Bay 6-2 and Matthews had the hat trick. He just he can score from anywhere, you know. He's he's the kind of um, a player, you know. And he scored those sixty goals in seventy three games this year, which is just crazy to think, because uh, he missed a good chunk of the season coming off of uh, wrist surgery. 
uh, right before training camp. And then he missed some games down the stretch um, as he was chasing 60. Uh, but he can, and, and to hear guys like uh, John Cooper and Steven Stamkos describe trying to play against him, he's so deceptive with where he can shoot. He can pull the puck in, so he pulls his hands in, and he, he generates so much power and speed, even from what shouldn't be an area where you can generate that kind of power and speed. He can also stretch his arms out the other way and generate the same type of speed and accuracy with the shot. And that's what makes him so hard to defend. You, you don't know if you should play him tight. You don't know if you should kind of, you know, step off and be in, in the shooting lane because he can kind of create his own shooting lane sometimes. And uh, same thing with Marner. He's so shifty. Uh, he's such a, you know, he gets a lot of PK time. He's dynamite on the power play. Uh, but the questions are going to be there with those guys, just as we've seen with Ovechkin, just as we've seen with Stamkos and Kucherov, you know, players that have been at the top of their game in the regular season, you got to perform on the playoffs and they just haven't done it yet. You know, they got knocked out in the um, play in round against uh, Columbus two years ago in the bubble playoffs. They blew a three, one lead against Montreal last year, losing games five and six in overtime and then losing game seven on home ice. It's great. It's great. They put up these numbers. They're terrific players. They're very difficult to defend. But for the most part, Larry, they have been silent in this series, honestly, for the most part. Matthews had a good game one. He had a five on three goal. He had a, a, a giveaway goal uh, late in the third period of that game. But for the most part, their five on five play has not been very good. That's where you have to make your legacy if you're a player of that stature is play five on five. And that's where I say the Lightning are better at playing their style of game right now. And that's checking those guys and taking their time and space away and not letting them get the feel that they can because they can be dangerous if you give them too much time and space. We're talking to Eric Erlinson, Tampa Bay Lightning insider. How would you rate Victor Hedman among the other defensemen in the league? I think he's the best. I do and I say that, that I say that with all due respect to those guys because he's so good at uh sheer cut back down at quarter goal. He did the same thing, start playoffs here well. Um, he's dynamic and he is difficult to defend. Uh you know, Roman Yossi is the same situation. He he's a roamer. He's never. He, he's usually leading the play as much as he is trailing the play. But he's so good. He's so dynamic offensively. But I look at Victor Hedman, and he look. He can't do what Kale McCarr does the way he does it. But Victor Hedman had 20 goals this year. He he can't necessarily do what Roman Yossi does. I mean, Yossi had what 73 assists. I think the first defenseman to hit 96 points since Ray Bork. Um, that's how far back we're going at on that one. But it's it's take those same type of offensive numbers because Hedman only finished one point behind McCarr in total points for the year. And then just compare what Hedman does at his own end compared to those other two guys. And I'm not saying those two guys are defensive liabilities. That's not the case here. It's just Victor Hedman takes on the tough matchups night in, night out. He is a, he's a top penalty killer. Um, you know, he's a guy who can just swoop in and take away ice and just come out of nowhere because he's such a smooth skater that he can just munch up ice and take, he eliminates plays before they happen. He's going to make his fair share of mistakes because he's on the ice so often, but he just eliminates, he can do it physically. He can do it with a stick. He can do it with his speed. He can just do so many things in his arsenal to be at the top of his game. I, I think, and he's a little bit older than both those guys, I just think he's the best all-around defenseman in the league when you kind of put all of that together. No, I agree with you 100% on that. I wanted to get your opinion. I didn't want to sign bias at all there. But <laughs> So what are the keys? We enter game five tomorrow, series tied up at two. What are the keys in order for the Tampa Bay Lightning to prevail? They have to continue to be a four-checking beast because that's what they were in game four. They were a four checking beast. They took physically, they took a, they took their toll on Toronto. And that's why this is a series because it's so easy sometimes to get wrapped up in the emotions of things, the roller coaster that goes on. I mean, after game one, I don't know how many people told me, Oh, this is 2019 all over again. This team is terrible. They're just not ready. Well, lo and behold, they come out in game two and, and put on a, you know, a pretty good showing in that one. 
Uh, after surviving the first 10 minutes of that period, let's face it, Andre Vasilevsky had to come up with some saves, and Toronto had a couple of early power plays in that game. And then they get back on the home ice, and they just come out a little bit flat in the first period, a bad penalty, and they can't recover until the third period. Oh, that's it. The season is over. They're a terrible team. They can't do it. They're just too tired. And lo and behold, they come out and they got three goals in you know seven and a half minutes in game four. Like you can't get caught up in the ups and downs and everything else that goes on right. in a playoff series. And the players understand that. That's one thing that this team now has uh, a feel for in a playoff series. Now, they haven't been in this situation too often. There have not been many times since John Cooper took over. They were down 2-1 in a series. This is only the fourth time that it's happened. And you think of the number of playoff series they've been in. But for Tampa Bay to, to do it, they have to maintain the game plan of what they had in game four and apply it to game five. And that's where, you know, I've, I've relayed the story a few times. But in 2015, when the Lightning and the Blackhawks faced off in the Stanley Cup final, I was able to catch up with Brad Richards, of course, one of the, the heroes of the 2004 Stanley Cup team for Tampa Bay, and ask him about that series. And he said, you know what? By game three, we understood how Tampa Bay was going to play. So then we knew how to play against them. So we, you know, we kind of sat, not sat back, but we, we wanted to, to kind of put our game plan together and see exactly how they were going to play. And then we attacked them with what we knew we could do. And I and and I'm not saying that's going to be the case here, but the the blueprint is there for Tampa Bay. It, it it started towards the end of Game Three. It continued in Game Four. That's what they have to do to give themselves an edge in this game in Game Five to give themselves an opportunity to come back to home ice on Thursday to close it out. Uh, but it's it's just continue to do that and don't beat yourself. Many times I've said it. Sometimes the only team that can beat the Tampa Bay Lightning are the Tampa Bay Lightning because of the, the turnovers that they can kind of get themselves in problem, uh, give themselves problems. If they take care of the puck, stay out of the box, and forecheck. Those are the three things Tampa Bay has to do to give themselves a chance to win. You know, you've seen a lot of the Maple Leafs now. You watched them the last four games. What scares you the most about this Maple Leafs team? Um, if you let them feel good about their their rush game. They're so dangerous off the rush. I mean, you know, w William Nylander, if you look at him, I was watching him a little bit last night. He he reminds me somewhat of, of Pavel Bure in the fact that he wants to blow the zone early. He stays up high, and as soon as he thinks one of his defensemen or uh, the, the mid-forward is going to retrieve the puck, he's gone. He wants to try and create and, and pressure that way. If you don't pay attention to that, he's got the skill that can beat you. I'm not comparing him to Pavel Bure, but – I don't. I think Pavel Bury was allergic to the blue line. He never went across it in a defensive zone. He was always up high. Uh, and he, look, he scored 58, 59 goals a season. He's he's a Hall of Famer for a reason. Um, but it's that part of it. And then not give Matthew space. He doesn't need a ton of space. If you can't take his space away, he's going to burn you. So those are the areas you have to get to. Other areas I think they can attack. The Toronto defense, I don't think that they're very deep back there. Um, you know, and Jack Campbell, you don't know what you're going to get. He right. was great towards the end of game three. He, not that it was all his fault in game four, but he wasn't really good in game four. So, uh, to me, it's, it's don't let their top players feel comfortable and good about their game, make them uncomfortable, be physical, take away their space. Eric, last question. We'll let you run tomorrow night starts the best two out of three. You can look at it that way yep. in this series. How do you see the series winding up? Oh, boy, if I had that answer, because um, you can't get a feel for this. The the Leafs blew them out in game one. The Lightning, for all intents and purposes, blew them out in game two. The Leafs had a three-goal lead in game three before Tampa Bay came roaring back trying to tie the game, and they couldn't do it. And then last night, Tampa Bay's up 5 nothing. First goal has won every game, and every team that has won the game at some point has been up by at least three goals. That is so rare especially when you talk about two teams who are so close in skill level and where they were in the regular season and everything else. I don't know. I can't get a feel for how game five is going to go. I'd like to sit here and tell you that Tampa Bay is for sure going to carry over their game four into game five, but I thought they would carry their game two over into game three. That didn't happen. I would have thought that Toronto would have felt really good about how they played in game one. and They'd come out a little bit harder in game two. That wasn't the case. So I, I don't know what's going to happen this series. It's 
Uh, it should be fun, though. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the, the two teams split the next two and they end up back in Toronto for a Game 7 on Saturday. It's, it's, just, uh, it's just hard to get a feel for which, how games are going to go from one to the next. All right, my friend. Well, as always, we appreciate you taking time to spend time with us here on Frankly Speaking Sports. All right. Thanks, Larry. Be well. All right. Stay safe, my friend, and go Bolts. All right. That was Eric Erlinson, lightning inside a carry. He's been covering the lightning 22 years. Ladies and gentlemen, we're running out of time, but a reminder, we'll be back on the same channel, same platforms, as always, at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Central Time, and uh, 6 p.m. Pacific. And then, of course, all of you folks can rewatch these shows Tuesday or re-listen to these shows Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday on Tobacco Road, sportsradio.com at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. On behalf of all of us here at Frankly Speaking Sports, have a good night, and we'll see you tomorrow.